Guys, so. I found the main theme of this. Um, the you know in, in, in one line, I found the theme of this episode of your podcast. Yeah, and it is this. It is as prepared as you are for your film or production. You are. You can never be prepared. <laughs> yeah, what's That's that Murphy's theme. law? Yeah, that Murphy's law is what can go wrong will go wrong. I was just going to say the smoke detector, like going off every 30 seconds. You can't predict that kind of stuff. Yeah. No. (laughs) Very very well said. But, but, But film set ingenuity came in to innovate and solve the problem by tying a bunch of t-shirts around it. Exactly. There are solutions. So it's, it's not, not everything will go to shit if you have t-shirts lying around. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) to film school the podcast about film school and life after film school i'm zach gladstone this is my co-host moss just moss hey guys yeah it's just me <laughs> just moss uh moss who's on uh once again we're doing our new format we're recording an intro before the interview mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bold bold of us really right almost as bold as not uploading a single episode in may <laughs> don't go and com- no, don't tell them that they'll notice going completely mia it's, it's okay consider this like the space jam new legacy to our last episode <laughs> <laughs> yes yes the space jam new legacy we right? have a pretty awesome guest though today though don't we zach we do uh she's an aspiring toronto filmmaker uh she just directed her for first short film uh she works in cbc she actually works in the film industry and has like more experience than both moss and i yeah and like, like a few of our other guests could you imagine having a job in the media industry like i don't know that right? seems kind of far-fetched it's just... contributing to the canadian <laughs> film industry what's that like i know i know well, definitely not something we know but something that our right? guest cj knows actually quite quite a bit about and we talk a lot about it so uh stay tuned Hello, I'm CJ Kim. Um, the best introduction that I have for myself is just my Instagram bio, which I which is just film loving grandma who dresses like furniture. I feel like that <laughs> one sentence just captures it perfectly because I like to dress like kind of weird, um, and I just That's love perfect. film genuinely. So you know, when you guys asked me to be a part of this podcast, I was like, perfect. I have so much to say. Um, I'm just getting into the industry, really. Um, I've directed three projects now, and I have a few projects in pre production. Um, but really trying to fully go full force as a director in the industry and hopefully just do and make really good art. Awesome. Admirable, okay. admirable goal. Just make good okay, art. Moss. Make good art. <laughs> yeah. So Moss, you invited CJ on the podcast. How did you meet CJ? So uh, through the connection of the absolutely wonderful Andy Yoon, um, he got us in contact because CJ was looking for a storyboard artist and uh, I can draw some some figures that look like people. And uh, yeah, so we started and it, it was on one of your films, CJ. Is that right? Yes. My debut as a director, my first short film, um, you just did such a great job. And it was so cool to be like, wow, I get a storyboard for my first short film. And like being able to see that and then seeing the frames was like so I, it's just cool. Like that's the only way to say it. And it like so humbling at the same time to have like all this support around me. So, and then I asked you to do another storyboard for me mm-hmm. for our that's, music video. Yeah. Which was another interesting and and pretty fun task. I might say very, very like different. Cause your first project was kind of set mostly in just one space Yeah, um, with a little bit of variety, of course, but like, and then this other one also kind of set in a space, but a much bigger space with like, you know, a lot of fun stuff. So it was, it was very interesting. Uh, I, I know that's so vague. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. I swear, guys, it's, it's going to be cool. I swear. Uh, yeah, just interesting to work on a short film to a uh, to a music video. And in, they're very different. I keep on saying interesting, but very uh, cool. To see how uh, <laughs> uh, a better adjective, <laughs> cool and interesting, it's much more specific. I, just, <laughs> I feel like I was there. <laughs> I feel like interesting is a word you use when you have like no other adjectives to use. <laughs> like, oh, it's like really interesting. <laughs> I I try to mean it genuinely, but it, it, there's no way around it sounding like that. Like, it's like, oh, but you're right because they're so different. Like short films and music videos just in itself are so different. But then also like the whole concept within it 
for both of them are so different. So interesting is a good word. You chose the right one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sweet. I was just going to also quickly say, seeing the some of the stills and stuff from uh, that uh, that first project of yours, your debut, it looks amazing, and I'm I'm very Thank very you. excited about it. So uh, I'm very honored to be a part of it. Thank you so much. You killed it. You killed it. <laughs> this is a, just a podcast of Anthony and I just um, gassing just each other up. Yeah, just compliment, yeah. <laughs> compliment battle. <laughs> I did storyboards. That's a new podcast name. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so yes, part of this, like part of the reason why you on though is talk about film school. So you did. So where did you go to film school? So I went. I went to Ryerson for Radio Television Arts, the RTA program, which is like you know, I know a lot of people from New York now going into the film industry, and a lot of you know like Andy's connections, and a lot of people that I'm sure you guys are familiar with too. They all went to York, right? Um, and they're actually very, very talented people. And it's not that you know, talented people didn't come out of RTA, but it's definitely different because I think when you go to Ryerson for RTA, you're kind of training more so to get into the broadcasting field. And it's very broad. It's like, yes, you can do like audio and multicam and single cam, but it's really like such a good introduction to, you know, have your foot in that broadcasting world. Cause that's initially what it was. And a lot of like anchors and um, people in journalism, like they come from that side of Ryerson. Um, so that's actually how I got my foot into the CBC broadcasting world. So it, it is a very different world, like being able to experience the CBC life that like a corporation and then doing like indie films and freelancing, like it's so, so different. So I'm very grateful, but I think my university training was more so to introduce me to that kind of world instead of like the freelancing artsy, you know, like make my own films and music videos. So I got to get a little bit of both, which I'm very grateful for. Okay. Can I ask how, uh, so like what kind of stuff or how do the courses orient you towards more towards the broadcasting program? Are the course is always about broadcasting or? It's so basically you can choose like concentrations of like, Oh, I want to like do a concentration in single cam or multi-cam or audio. But then every year the, the program is kind of changing, like how we do thesis. But for my thesis, I actually ended up doing a documentary, um, that aired for CBC. So like my connections just keep leading back to CBC. Um, but sometimes if you want to do a concentration, not all the courses were like available every semester. So it was like really hard to actually get a concentration. I didn't end up doing one. Um, but I feel like a lot of people just did a little bit of everything. And especially, I'm sure you guys know this as well too. Like you don't really major in directing. Like it's very hard to be like, oh, I'm going to be a director. Like this is the path. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. courses like directing and performance, which is really, really cool. And that was one of the courses that was offered at, um, in my program. But there's not really like a step-by-step of like, oh, you want to be a director? Like here, take these courses and then you'll be trained to be a director. It's just kind of like you decide it and then you just have to keep doing projects to train yourself to be a director, I guess. Hmm. Right. That's pretty interesting because yeah. I, I said it again. Interesting, but, <laughs> but in the sense that, like you, you have, I would say, at least comparing to like my experience at York, uh, a much wider variety of skills and tool sets to work with, and it and it shows in like you know your body of work. And I, I also didn't know that like that was a CBC project too. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. Yeah, I think a lot of like. Most of actually like a lot of my team right now from Dragonstand are like RTA grads. And we have so many RTA people within the building. So it's like, it's a good way, like I said, to get your foot in the door because RTA is recognized as like a broadcasting, I would say a broadcasting program and we have like good connections. So it is and does provide a lot of good opportunities. And I've actually like, I interned at CBC for my fourth year. So that's how I kind of got like really pushed into it. Can you tell us about the documentary that aired on CBC? Yes, for sure. So it was, what was it called? It's for Canada Shorts. I don't know what it was called exactly. Something for CBC Docs, but it was like celebrating young filmmakers in Canada. And I actually have a really funny story with that. So I interned for CBC Arts when I was in my fourth year at Ryerson. Really, really good experience. Like that team there is like family to me now. Like they they financially supported my short film. Like they check up on me a lot. Like really good group of people that are like, they cover so much like, so many artists in Canada, like they're very, very caring people. Um, so I interned there. And then after that internship, they called me back to do some freelancing. And then one of those freelancing projects for that summer was to interview 
artists for that like CBC Docs festival thing that they were doing. And then it turns out like at the same time, around that time that that was happening, like I was asked to do an interview for a documentary. So it turns out I was supposed to interview those people, but I was one of those people. So my, <laughs> my mentor who was there was like, uh, you, so I guess you like interview yourself, but, um, yeah, he ended up interviewing me, but it was like, you know, really small world. And like, yeah, it was really fun. And like, because I got to interview the people like as a freelancer during that time, I got to talk to just a lot of really talented, um, Canadian filmmakers and like a really diverse, like diverse amount of people and projects. Like it was really cool. Like who'd you get to speak to with? It was like, there was one doc that was, he shot, I think everything on his phone and he was like, um, filming his family and like culture and just like cooking and stuff like that. And my doc, for example, was about struggling with mental health, like covering three artists. We did a painter, a dancer and a poet, and then how they use their mental health to create their art. Because, you know, there's such a huge stigma around mental health. And it was around a time, like actually so much of my university career was like, I was not mentally doing so well. So then to be able to do this for my thesis project was just like so fulfilling. And like, it felt like I was actually like sharing a story that I wanted to put out into the world. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty great. I mean, like the, uh, sorry, Zach, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No. I was just going to comment and say that, um, that's, that's a, that it's very cool to hear that there's, um, there's good kind of, uh, institutional frameworks that like still include like a good, you know, like a good diverse variety of projects going on. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of people have these, I don't know, sometimes regressive takes on the CBC that bother. Oh, me, for so sure. I'm, I'm pretty glad. sure like if you Google like Wikipedia, there's just like controversy, controversies oh, God, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I, which I totally understand. And I see like where it's coming from. Yeah, there are, we'll, we'll get into that in a different podcast, but <laughs> yeah. just keep in mind. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that you like had, you said you had friends who like went to York or went to film programs that focus more on like the artsy side and like mm-hmm. having gone to York and Moss can probably agree with this. Like, <laughs> yeah, York definitely focuses on the artsy, uh, the artsier side of film rather than like mm-hmm. the more useful career stuff that you got to experience. Do you ever wish there was more focus on like, kind of like the film, like the artsy film aspects in your program or were you oh, like, for happy sure. with? Yeah. Oh, I, like I absolutely like after meeting, especially these days, like just meeting the people that are coming out of it, like um, Andy, Corinne, Satrio, just to name a few, like just such talented people who are like, so they not only like have a good eye for this stuff, but to be like, so technically, you know, like knowledgeable, I don't have the same skills. So it's like, and I realized like when you're directing, you kind of have to understand everything, right? You you want to know what you're going to explain to your team. Like, oh, I want like lighting like this, even though I'm not going to be like a gaffer. Like, it's really good to know that kind of stuff. So I would have loved to be more technically trained. For example, like we would have like a single cam and then intermediate single cam, but that would be like six hours long and like not offered in some semesters. So it was like really hard to... um want to take these courses too, if that makes sense. And like, for example, like editing. So like I had been editing for maybe like three years by that point. And for my fourth year, I took like an editing course. And then one of the prerequisites was to take a single cam course, which means that if you're taking like a camera course, you would have edited before, right? Like you, you have to edit like what you're shooting too, right? Like in that capacity in a school um, classroom setting. And then the first day, this is my fourth year of university. um, We get into class and he was like, okay, this is how you make a folder in Premiere. This is how you input footage. And I was like, so shocked because I was like, I thought this was like an intermediate editing course. There are prerequisites for this course. Like I was so, so shocked. So obviously like I ended up doing very well in the course also because I actually had that teacher for single camp. So he knew that I could edit. So it was like very strange to like have a course like that offered in fourth year. And some people in that class also had no experience editing whatsoever. So it's like the range of like the, the students that they're taking was very strange. So there's no like advanced editing or anything. It's just like, here's an editing course. Here's how to like import, import footage and here's how to cut. And these are the tools. And I was like, I've been doing this for over three years. (laughs) Yeah. So that was probably the most surprising thing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's not where I expected the story to go. Oh, Satrio is like bestie, yeah. bestie Satrio. Sorry, I just wanted a quick yeah, do that. But, uh, <laughs> yes, no, that that's 
that that's pretty interesting because oh, again, but um, editing is something that like I also heard that like uh, or heard that uh, during our university tenure was also something that was kind of not uh, not. In, like focused on to such a degree that like they had like a, a kind of a, a wide variety of tools or like knowledge on like Avid Media Composer or Premiere Pro or something like that. Like people sure. kind of had general ideas of what they were doing, but nothing yeah. super concrete. Yeah. And then I'm sure you, another topic that I'm going to bring up, but that I'm sure you guys have thought about or talked about too, is like the professors, like we had some of the best professors too, but at the same time, some of these professors are like teaching about like, comedy editing from the 90s so you know like what they think is funny is like so different than like you know like content today yeah so it's like not necessarily even relevant like you have to the thing with like editing and like directing and doing camera work is like there's certain styles right for the period that you're like of what's really in these days and that's not really what's being taught in school yeah. do you have any examples of like something like you kind of just you kind of just did give me an example but do you have any like specific like stories about some weird thing like a professor would try to push on you in regards to like that kind of editing or shooting or anything that was like kind of out of date so i think during that class i loved that professor he was so great he was one of like the first like comedy editors and he edited for cbc so you know like very like very cool guy but very um i would say more classic like his style um right. and then i remember i did like in that class, they would just give us footage and be like, okay, cut this interview. So I ended up just cutting in whatever style I wanted to. And then he ended up like laughing, like, because we sh- we would show cuts and then he'd give us feedback. And then he like laughed at this one part, which I just like, maybe I just naturally made it like a little bit funnier because I like to use comedy as a coping mechanism, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I made like a little comedic cut and stuff. And then he was like, oh, that was so funny. Like, I didn't expect that you could make me laugh from a cut like this. And it was just like so weird to get that kind of feedback because it wasn't even like intentional really. But it's like, it just shows that the styles of like these professors and like the people teaching you are really going to affect, you know, like how you, how you edit or like how you shoot. And like, I didn't end up taking intermediate single cam, but for example, I would just hear so much feedback from my friends being like, oh, he, oh, like his style is so dated. Like he thinks that you have to shoot just like this and he's only pushing for that. It's like, but that's not, you know, how people shoot anymore. So definitely dated. Okay, fair. Yeah. So going off from that, and this is like a question we always try and ask, we kind of touched on this a bit, but uh, like, so now like, how, so how long have you been like done with film school at this point? So I graduated in the fall of 2019. So literally like the last okay, graduation yeah. before COVID hit, I think okay, was the okay. one I had. Yeah, in person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, have there been any like, so have there been any like big lessons that like that you've learned from film school that have really stuck with you? You think of like really been like good values like you've kept with you like in like so far in the beginnings of your film career. And on that same note, are there any things that were like pushed that we kind of just talked about? There's been anything that was pushed that you think like wasn't as useful or like that you wouldn't exactly take away? I think my overall perspective on just like school in general, like school after you know, schooling after your um, high school actually is like it's really just to meet people you know, like make connections. It's not really like the education, like I said, it's always changing. And like our first day of film school, our profs were like, basically everything you learn, just keep in mind that it could be totally different by the, like everything could change by the time you graduate. And that was like, wow, that seems like a waste of like thousands of dollars. (laughs) Um, So I would say that like my overall perspective is like, you don't, the most of the stuff that I learned, like the skills that I have today, I really like learn from doing my own shoots and like, you know, funding my own stuff and like doing these short films. Like I've learned more probably um, since filming Garden Salad, my short film, I probably learned more from February until now on like directing and like working with people and just like the film industry in general that I ever had in like four years of school. So I really think it's like for the connections and I, and I have no, like nothing bad to say about Ryerson at all because like I had such a good experience. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like I met really good people that I'm still in contact with and that, I would be like, Hey, can you mix this for me? Or like, can you do this? Like, do you want to collaborate to like, I don't know, some capacity. So there are people that I still communicate with and like talk to. So purely, I think it's good for making friendships and like, I don't even like saying connections because I think that like, it's so important to be like genuine about your relationships in this industry because people can see right through that. Right. Like, can you do this yes. for me? Like, can you do this for me? I think it's like, so just making genuinely like good friends was the, probably the best thing that I got out of film school. 
Yeah. It's always good to hear like a post film school grad, like saying they're learning from doing or learning by like making their own stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Learning through production is like yeah. the, the best way to actually like do film, even though it's probably like, it sounds like it's the worst thing you could do. Right. Because you know, it's like, Oh, I got to <laughs> yeah. spend a bunch of money without like proper lessons. Exactly. But it's the way to kind of learn how to make films and like, For even sure. though, you know, it's not ideal necessarily. It, it can yeah. can render the good results. Yeah. yeah, I remember in like my first year because uh, in screenwriting we never got to take any production courses except for one brief one in first year. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was learning the different stuff about production in that first year course, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna like, learn all this stuff so I don't have to make these mistakes on set." And it's mm-hmm. like, no, like you're still going to make these mistakes. Absolutely. And, like, and those mistakes is how you're like gonna learn to like clean your shit up and like do better for next sure. Time. And like I don't know about you guys, but like the whole like fake it till you make it. I've heard so many different things. Like one, don't fake it because like you'll actually screw up and like maybe like damage like thousands of dollars worth of equipment. <laughs> but also at the same time, like I totally understand what they mean. Cause like with directing, I feel that all the time because like, if you don't have confidence in what you're saying, this whole team is like looking to you like, Oh, what do you want? Like, what do you want this to look like? What do you want this yeah. to be right? What do you want the final result to be? If you don't have that confidence, like how are people supposed to follow you? Right. And like the direction. So I'm always a little bit torn on both. Cause I think it's so important to like, have a humble mindset into like, Oh, I have so much to learn from these people, which I try to go to with every production. Like I said, like right now I'm still learning all these technical things, but at the same time, like having that confidence just in yourself and like what you want to make is very important, like equally as important. And like being able to like believe what you're saying just as much as you want others to as well. Exactly. Just a lot easier said than done sometimes. Yeah. This is why imposter syndrome is like so real. And I feel it Mm. all the time. Yep. Yes, 100%. <laughs> it, especially like in a abstract field like art where like yeah. you know there's so much yep. subjectivity in terms of what yes. people think is like you should do or shouldn't do this and that. Mm-hmm. Huge collaboration on film sets. It's just like sometimes it can be like fireworks, right? Exactly. At the end of the day you're like judging your final product based on what others think a lot of the time and uh, it's a good it's a great mix. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Really no, not anxiety. It's great. <laughs> no anxiety here, guys. We're so happy. No, it's fine. Yeah. Filmmaking, that's not stressful or anything like that. It's yeah. like... <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fleeting a little bit from the nose. Like <laughs> yeah. uh so uh can you tell us about some of the short films you've been making since York? Like your short film Garden Salad, you said it was called? Yeah, so that's uh my debut and it's my only short film right now. We're in post right now. Um Basically, I so Andy actually was the one who I think maybe two years ago now he was like, Christy, like, I want you to, uh, Christy CJ, whatever he calls me, Christy. So he was like, Christy, like, write a script and I want you to direct it and I'll bring a whole crew for you. So, like, that's crazy, you know what I mean? To just like have that kind of friend who would do that for you, but also like someone who believes who believed in me to that capacity when I haven't done anything. So I really, really am so grateful to Andy for that. Um, but it took about like a year and a half and it took like a breakup. I think Andy, I shared a little bit about that mm-hmm. to you. It took a little bit of that to like really push, you know, like something has to happen and then you're pushed to do it. So I went through a bad breakup and then ended up just like writing about part of my experience. So, you know, everyone's first short film was a little bit about personal experience. So wait, I didn't, I didn't actually hear about this. So where were you in the writing? Do you mind if I ask you more about this? Is that okay? Of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. So where were you in the writing? Like prior to the breakup? Like, were you like, so I had started and it was very, very like a very rough, like story of it. And it was basically like the script is about feeling small, which is a little bit about what I said, you know, like in this field, it's so easy to feel small, like to feel imposter syndrome. And while I was writing, I was actually a production assistant at CBC. And I just felt so small there because I'm like, in my head, I'm like, you know, I want to direct and like do all these things. And in reality, I was like running coffees and making stickers. Like, so it was really like heartbreaking. It's like funny, but like a little bit heartbreaking. So like, that's when I kind of started the script and like um, my relationship at the time, it wasn't motivating me in any way. It was more just like, Mm -hmm. I felt guilty actually for having dreams because the person at the time was just someone like not working at all know not working for anything so it was kind of like when I would do these like side projects like I would shoot and edit some stuff just like freelance like small freelance gigs I would actually feel very very guilty for doing that or like for making any kind of step towards my career and I think it's like there's so much within that too like within relationships like 
men feeling like they have to like be more successful. You know, it's like, it's a whole thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so there was so much of that. So I had, I actually felt very guilty while I was dating and writing about this experience of like feeling small and then being unhappy in that relationship. And then um, after the breakup, I revisited the script and I was like, oh shoot, it's like, this was here all along. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The answers mm. were here all along. And I was, so I had been writing about it, but I, I didn't want to like make the push of like, oh, you should do something about this. So, you know, being able to like go through that event and then like realize like, oh, this was like within me all along that I was self-aware, but not pushing myself to do anything. So like directing my first short film, that was like huge for me. And then like realizing that like, oh, that was actually, you were very unhappy in that relationship. And like finally being able to like come to terms with it while finishing the script. Um, I, th- I think it was only until the breakup really that I was able to fully finish and then find out what the real message was, which was like, it's not selfish to like have dreams and ambitions and stuff. Cause I think people try to tell you like, just be thankful for where you are, you know, like as a PA, like you should be happy that you have a job. And that's one of the lines in the script, you know, like, I think Mm -hmm. I sent you. Yeah. Yeah. The script as well. It's like, you should be happy that you're working. Like so many people are looking for jobs. Like people try to always like that false optimism is like a concept that I really tried to explore of like, you feel like you should just be content with where you are, but like being content is like one of the most dangerous places that you could be because you're never going to push yourself to do more. Yeah. And like, you can be like thankful for having a job and still be like somewhat dissatisfied that you aren't completely where you are in your career yet. Right. And that you want to exactly like, that's like part of advancing or like making way in any career, whether it's like, like film or like, being a lawyer or doctor or whatever like it doesn't mm-hmm. make you like a shitty person i hate when people i know i know you mean when people are like oh we should be thankful like like i fucking yeah. am doesn't mean i don't want more like exactly it's like you're allowed to want more for your life and that's not a selfish thing so that's what garden yeah. salad is about and then after the breakup like that's what i really that's what i realized the whole time it's like wow i shouldn't have felt guilty this entire time dating this person for like wanting to be like to have dreams of like wanting to be a director and mm-hmm. actually like um while the breakup was happening, like one of the things, the things that he was telling me was like, I feel like you're up here career wise. And I feel like I'm down here. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just so crazy to me. It's like, like, you want to be supportive of each other. Right. That's the, that's the idea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So where, so where are you with garden style now? Are you in the editing process or is it like completely done? So we are almost at fine cuts. And I realized like it was the most, the wildest experience of being like, okay, writing a script, actually filming it, going into editing, and then the actual performances in between changes everything. You know what I mean? It's not just yeah. like script and then you edit it and the edit is exactly what the script is. So, you know, it's taken so long because at first the edit was like just what the script was and it just wasn't working. So like, mm-hmm. we just took weeks being like, you know what? We actually tr- changed it more into a non-linear timeline, like um, story. And it just ended up working so much better because we're like, you know what, with like the performances and with like the story that you're trying to tell, like this works better. So we've been working like weeks and weeks and months actually trying to like develop the perfect way to um, have empathy for both characters, if that makes sense. Because I I feel like because I wrote it on personal experience, it was very much so like I was so biased of like, I want everyone to be on the female character side that I wrote it on because it's about me. And then I realized like, you know what, like, they were just different at the end of the day. And that's what, like, why we kept revisiting. Cause it's, and that's what the crazy thing about editing, you can make completely different stories, right? So right now we are almost at fine yeah. cuts. We still need to do sound and then color it. Mm. But we have like a whole soundtrack that one of my really good friends, she, she made a whole soundtrack for this film. So like there are so, there are all these original songs for this film that I'm very excited to share. Awesome. Yeah, it's like, uh, I, can't, I can't remember who's, sorry, boss, one sec. No, no, go ahead. One sec. Uh, I can't remember who said this to me in film school. It was probably some professor. And like, obviously the way you just said, it's kind of obvious. And I guess with any film, anyone knows anything about filmmaking, it's obvious. But like the final rewrites of the script really do happen like in the editing mm-hmm. room, like when you're actually like cutting that shit together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry, Moss, what were you going to say? Um, I was going to say something pretty similar in that like, yeah, editing can completely change the course of a film and not in a yeah. bad way, like in a way that like, you know, allows you to develop new strategies and new ways to make your art better. Right. And exactly. something that not every art uh, medium can do in the way that film can do like kind of collaborating while editing too. You know, there's a lot of new avenues for stuff. Totally. And that's what made me appreciate like the team 
<laughs> like it's really like what I'm learning through every project. It's like, not that I thought that like, oh, like the director carries, like I never thought that, but like it made really made me realize like, you know, without Andy to get me started on this, like without my producer, Caroline, without like Maria, my, my editor, like all these people in between that have helped me with production. Like that's what made the story and the actors too. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just like the script that I wrote. Yeah, It was like, that's just the seed. And then like everyone else is just like helping make yeah, that. It takes a village happen. to raise a script. Like Exactly. <laughs> it takes a village to raise a script. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, uh, so I, when I, did... Sorry, go, you go. Go ahead, Mark. No, Mark, please. Uh, oh, Zach, you, you. Oh, <laughs> but um, one, one thing I was going to just quickly ask is like, in terms of like translating kind of like a, a real life story into a script and whatnot, I think it's just really, really uh, great and a very like critically aware of you to want to like build empathy between both. Car- and you saw like, you know, pr- your own historical biases and you were like, none of that. That's, that's yeah. really awesome. I was very biased, honestly, like when we were going into production and we were doing rehearsals, I was like, how can we make, how can we make the audience like hate him even more? But like, honestly, like (laughs) I actually like, (laughs) I finished the script with the actor. So Jake, who plays like the person who was like my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend, we had so many conversations and he, and one of the main points that we realized was like, you know, maybe he's not even a bad person. He's just a different person. And that was so hard for me to like come to terms with. Cause in my mind, like it was all these like bad things that happened to me. Right. Um, but to come to terms with the fact that like, you know, what we're, we're, we're just different people who want different things that in itself was like giving me closure as well. So it was very helpful to be able to do that. And then I felt like, um, I just described the whole process as very difficult, but very therapeutic. It's like really like coming to terms with everything that happened. So I was able to come out of that film like feeling like oh i feel so much better about this because i've actually dealt with every like feeling and thought you know about that relationship yeah mm-hmm. so when did you shoot garden salad february 7th 8th or 6th 7th yeah first week of february like february 21 yeah yeah so how just a few you... months ago okay sure how did so can i ask how did you shoot like this short film like with covid and whatnot it was hard, definitely. Um, for example, like, as you know, guys, there's like location scouting and there's like the COVID protocols of like, you're only allowed this amount of people. And so, for example, like we didn't have a makeup artist on set because like makeup art, like having a makeup artist on set was like one of the strictest guidelines. Like you have to have that full hazmat thing. Like, you know, there's like so many rules around it. Yeah. Um, so what we did, I actually uh, did an Indiegogo to fund the film and just like so many people showed up. Like, I think we had a $4,000 goal and we ended up going over $5,000. So it was just a lot of nice. my friends and like our, our friends supporting the film um, that really helped being able to, you know, get locations and like our producer, um, my producer, Caroline, who I always work with now, she worked so hard to get these locations that they're like, okay, you can do this. Like we are prepared to, you know, do the temperatures, like all the COVID protocols and, you know, film sets, you're, you're still allowed to shoot, but it was very like to a minimal capacity. Like the crew was just yeah. like core team of like key grip gaffer, like DP, like, you know what I mean? It was just very minimal. Yeah, no, um, of course. Yeah. So it was tough, but we did it and it's, I'm very happy with it. What kind of locations did you get? So one of the locations we shot was the producer's friends who lives in a townhouse. So it was like, the smallest it was a one-bedroom okay. townhouse oh, shit really does exist <laughs> yeah okay. so imagine like i think our crew like and when i say minimum like minimal amount of crew it was like 12 people everybody maybe like 15 people with the actors like it was just so okay. so yeah. small and like 15 people in this tight one-bedroom like townhouse it was it was crazy <laughs> this was winter and we're like yeah. sweating like it was really tough um Jesus. and then the producers friends have a restaurant so we ended up shooting that was an overnight oh, shoot so they were like very, very kind and generous to let us shoot there, but also sound problems because oh. of the, the fans. <laughs> so, you know, yep. you, oh, right. you can't have everything. You can't oh. have everything. Did, are you going to have to ADR that? Like, how, how, what? I'm going to give it to sound don't, and don't be like, help me, help me, <laughs> help me. <laughs> That's very fair. Yeah. Fuck. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, when I was in third year, I, um, I wrote and and kind of got roped into producing and production managing for a friend, uh, a friend that Moss and I both have at York, who's who's been on the podcast, Siddharth. Um, mm-hmm. It was his story. I just helped like him turn into a script. Anyway, but cool. one of the days we were shooting, 
um we shot at it was like basically just the main character's apartment and his friends had like this nice apartment downtown but Mm -hmm. something was wrong with it was like a perfect location but something was wrong with the with his smoke detector where like i don't know if it was the battery was low or something like that but every Mm -hmm. like (gasps) seconds it would let out a beep yeah yeah and we had to shoot like a few dialogue scenes and stuff and we were trying to figure it out but it was one of those things where like we couldn't get access to the smoke alarm to switch out the batteries. It was only the building could, but like the people oh my gosh. there. Yeah. We like yeah. went down to like the, cause like it was the kind of building that had a front desk. We like went down there and we're like, without trying to drop what we're doing, cause I don't know if we're <laughs> really even allowed to be filming necessarily, but we were kind of like, hey, is there any way you could just like come fix like the smoke detector? Like yeah. three people talking to them, none of whom live in the unit. <laughs> oh my and, gosh. Um, in the end we, oh, what do we do in the end we wrapped we realized we could muffle it with t-shirts so we wrapped like three t-shirts around it and by the end you couldn't pick it up oh my it, gosh that's it, like, great though we <laughs> yeah we were so we were just kind of like shit like what the hell do we do yeah guys so. i found the main theme of this um the, the in, in, in one line i found the theme of this episode of your podcast yeah and it is this it is as prepared as you are for your film or production you are you can never be prepared <laughs> yeah what's that murphy's law yeah that murphy's law is what can go wrong will go wrong i was just gonna say the smoke detector like going off every 30 seconds you can't predict that kind of stuff yeah no (laughs) very very well said but 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 film set ingenuity came in to innovate and solve the problem by tying a bunch of t-shirts around it exactly there are solutions so it's it's not not everything will go to shit if you have t-shirts lying around. Yeah, honestly, you're just like some some like makeshift like MacGyver way just to like just to just just fix the problem enough that you can get by. Exactly. Yep. Film set so, specific ingenuity. That's something for mm-hmm. PAs that to, to like PAs yep. every PA listening. Think about that. Think about any like weird little solution you could offer. People like that. So that good indie filmmaking stress that leaves a copper taste in your mouth. That's how you know. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so having like made your first short film, um, do you like in like editing it now? Like, does this like after the whole experience, like I know you're technically not done, but like, mm-hmm. does this make you want to go out and like make another short film? Oh, for or... sure. For sure. Sorry. I just cut you off. Cause I'm like, absolutely. Yes. Like no, no, it was okay. such a good experience for me that, um, and also because it's like my first time directing to that capacity, like directing real actors. Sorry, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because in, in film school, you are the actor and your friends are the actors. That's what I mean by real actors. No, um, no, I, I, yeah, yeah. so to be able to um, direct to this capacity was so like, it felt so good because it was like, oh, this is what I want to do. And now I can like confirm that, that this experience is so good that I want to continue doing it. Because I was afraid. I was like, what if I just said for like all these years, I want to be a director and I hate it. You know what I mean? Because directors yeah, have no. to be involved in everything, pre-production, production, and post. So it's like, it's so much responsibility, like huge, a huge weight on your shoulder for like months and months and months. But it's like, if you feel fulfilled doing it, like all of that is worth it. So I have another script in mind. I want to do a Korean film actually in Toronto. Um, because oh, yeah. I'm Korean, I can speak Korean. Like I really want to go back to the roots and Andy and I are planning to shoot that sometime, maybe next year. Okay, awesome. Do you want to tell us what it's about or is it too early to say exactly? It is too early because I do, I just want it like, you know, Koreans just do horror so well, like horror thrillers so well. <laughs> they do. <laughs> like to a different scale. So just being inspired by, you know, the films that I've seen, I'm like, I think that we can make a really good Korean film in Toronto. And I think it would be, I'd be really proud to do something like that. You know, like being able to write in my first language, uh, I think would just be really fulfilling. And, um, for me, like, I really, I actually got into this industry because I want to be an actor. So I care so much about performance and, you know, like directing actors just like brings me so much joy. Um, so I just feel like directing actors on a thriller horror is just going to be so much fun, so different. And I think like, that's my whole thing. Like, I want to try every different genre and, you know, like find out what works for me and like what I can, what I'm capable of, like really challenge myself. Cause I think it's important. Like, I don't want to ever be bored doing this kind of work. And I feel like it's very hard to be bored. It's like, because you can do yeah. a- anything, right? Like that's what film is. You try not to limit yourself in any way. That's awesome. Yeah, that'd be, like, that's super cool. Yeah. Speaking, because like the, the film Moss and I worked on that I was telling you about before, mm-hmm. and that was genre, that was the film noir. 
because I'm uh, this. The one thing I didn't mention is I'm absolutely obsessed with film noir and murder mysteries and whatnot. So cool. Mm-hmm. Every time I, every time I'm like, I'm going to write a genre thing, and it's just, it's just film noir. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. I love it. <laughs> And also, Andy Yoon came really clutch on that set, too. The guy is just a legend. It's just yes. a fact, oh my people. Goodness. There's no debate. <laughs> Andy Yoon, man. Like, get him on your set. Pay the man. Do it. And Pay the man. Yes, like, he is so good. Yeah. Um, another thing I was going to also say is I just, I really admire your ambition to, like, as as uh, Zach kind of joked about there, like, wanting to do multiple genres, like, just all genres, really. Like, not, not limiting it. Because also me, I'm, like, super confined. Especially when it comes to, like... <laughs> writing like i can't write anything outside of like you know a really lame like drama genre story like <laughs> i can't really do much like i horror couldn't even touch it if i tried couldn't even i'm just gonna have to do a lot of research by scaring myself adrenaline <laughs> right? consider it pumped <laughs> are you a horror movie fan do you watch a lot of horror so actually like until the last few years i couldn't because I was like so scared. And I was like, how can I make life difficult for myself? Like it purely like that was how I was thinking. I was like, how can I make life, life difficult for myself? Because I don't like my life to be boring. So I'm like, let me challenge myself. And I actually like, one thing I'm kind of exploring is like, <laughs> to make my life even more difficult, I actually want to act in it too. So I want to <laughs> write and act mm. direct. But just because like performance wise, I think like I want to challenge myself to act in a horror film. Um, so very ambitious, but it's like, when else am I going to do it? You know, twenties are for like making mistakes and like making your life harder <laughs> than it should be. So that's the goal. Right, yeah. That's twenties yeah. in a nutshell. Yeah. Make your life yeah. difficult. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 exactly. I feel you completely on like horror movie. Like I didn't really realize like when I went to like through my film school experience, I gave like this huge respect for the horror genre. And mm-hmm. like, I felt like I didn't have it before, but I don't think I thought about it a lot, but like, because like mm-hmm. everyone I met in film school, like the majority of them were like obsessed with horror, wanted to direct horror and mm-hmm. it, like maybe get more respect for it. And like, I try to watch more horror movies and like, I do generally like, like horror movies as a genre and everything it's like one of the first genres ever and like made all these milestones in film but i'm also like a huge like a huge baby i know some horror movies i'll like drag <laughs> friends, friends into watching them with me yeah like i remember when i first watched hereditary with my like i made my friend watch it with me and then afterwards we were like we're both pretty uh quite traumatized and try to like cleanse ourselves with a bunch of brooklyn 99 <laughs> episodes and i still barely brooklyn is the best the best way yeah, to cleanse right? your soul yeah yeah it only worked so much because it was right but... yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so oh another question i wanted to ask and this is kind of completely jumping topics but so you worked as a production assistant for cbc did you work on like a one of their tv shows or yes so i'm still actually a production yeah i'm on dragon's head so i was an intern for arts i freelance for arts um at the beginning of the year i got my first contract as an associate producer for arts so when i mean like their family like they they really are the best people they keep inviting me back um that was just the backfill position um and then in 20 19 i was doing like part-time at a creative agency like a magazine and then i was part-time for post on dragon's den season 15 or yeah no season 14 and then for season 15 i joined them for filming so that was my first time doing production and then i joined them for post so each year i've been doing more and then this year i joined them for pre-production production and i'm going into post now so each year i'm just trying like all the different avenues of what a pa would do in a show to that capacity um and it really, really makes me appreciate production assistance and there's not enough appreciation for it. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Yes. So what's your day to day like, like these, like you said, you're, are you in pre-production with them now or. So we just wrapped filming on Monday. So okay. right now we're going into post. So for pre-production, it's like I was telling you, like I have a lot of experience with administrative stuff now. So it's like so different from directing and like all the creative stuff. So it, it was actually a really good balance for me to be able to do like administrative stuff so that like freelancing, I could fully go into it and not be burnt out. Okay. Um, so for the pre-production, because of COVID, normally the producers would go and fly out to different Canadian cities and do their auditions there. But because of COVID, everything was virtual. So we ended up doing maybe like four or 500 auditions virtually and I was scheduling all of them through Zoom. So that was one of um, my key roles for when I joined, Um, notifying the pitchers if they got called onto the show. During production, it's just like, um, this year I was just doing the rundown. So notifying pitchers like what time, the the call times and like the day-to-day, how it would go. And then now for post, it's just CC scripts, you know, organizing making stickers. <laughs> like it's, it's a little bit of everything. And like, 
I think that's why, well, it's crazy. I missed one of the days of filming uh, for filming this year because I was directing another music video. So to go from a director on a set to going as a PA the next day was like so shocking. (laughs) Like it was so shocking because like, I really treat my crew with like a lot of love and appreciation. Like I said, like I have so much to learn still. So like I had the best time on that set. We were like, making really first of all like really good art like i said but also just having so much fun like we ended up being a family like after that set you know like after you spend like do an overnight and spend like 12 to 14 hours together you're like yep. tight there's nothing like that can camp, bond really a person more. exactly yeah. so going from that and then like for example i was like oh man my head hurts and then my pa is like do you want me to go and get at <laughs> like it's so weird going <laughs> from that to like the next day i'm like one of like getting someone coffee or like running lunches, which wasn't part of my responsibilities um, for the show, but I ended up having to do because we were so understaffed. So it's like going from that to like running people's lunches the next day was just like very, makes me so appreciative of the role, like the PA role in general. Yeah. Yeah. Production assistants, man. They're, uh, they're very, they're, they're underrated as the kids say. Underrated. Part of the production for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, your day would not go. Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like good on you for getting those that that PA gig, especially consistently like that. Thank like you. I've only PA'd like on like uh like small commercials because my uh, I don't know if this even counts as anything. My cousin owns a media company, Gladstone Media, and he has like commercials for different condo and prop- property companies. So mm-hmm. occasionally I'll be like a PA slash driver for him, and I like filter as a driver or another it's like really a PA position. But mm-hmm. uh, that's like good to get that experience. Like like kudos to you. Thank you so much. I like complain about it way too much, but at the end of the day, like if it's helping me like appreciate directing more, for example, and then like being on my own sets and being like, okay, I, I'm not going to treat my, treat my PAs like shit because I know like yeah. the work that goes into it. And it's like, it's just as hard that physical labor and like your PAs are still on set for 12 to 14 hours. It's not like their jobs are easier. Like maybe there's more yeah, responsibility exactly. for different positions, but it's still like a hard role. So being able to take that and like really be able to take that to my sets and like learn from that and be like, okay, I'm not going to treat my PAs this way. Like everyone is important. It was probably like the biggest takeaway from being a PA for me. Right. Yeah. And like, yeah, that's like what I tried to do with like the what little short films like I've worked on or like had a, uh, what's this, what's the word leadership role and like trying to make sure your PAs are being treated well and that they enjoy yeah. their time on set and like that would want to come back for other sets you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, like one of the things when you have like a good skeleton crew, like a good key crew, yeah. like some people at that, at that point, you might think that like, they can just like, people can be, can just do anything, but it's like the people who really just do anything are the PAs. It's like, yeah. Cause they have to like pick up whatever they're asked to do. So it's yeah. like, thank you for caring. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, yeah. You never want a set that's like, you know, uh, miss like anyone gets mistreated, but like, especially mm-hmm. PAs because man, they come in handy. And if they're not like, they're not, you know, there for you, it's like, woof. Yeah. And if you like, when you have a PA, that's like good, like a good PA, which most PAs are good because they work very hard, you know, just like to be in that position, um, like your production runs so smoothly. And that's what I was telling the yeah. PA on the music video I did. I was like, this day would not have gone as smoothly as it did if you were not there. So it's like, it's such a supportive role and one that doesn't get enough recognition. So huge appreciation and shout out to them. One of the, one of the things that um, some people like once told me about PA work is that like, you kind of have to be um, like this, like master of all tools, but like also, or sorry, not master of none. Like you kind of like, Mm -hmm. you don't want to like, Master of all tools. Yes. <laughs> no, that's what it's called. You got the term right, Moss. <laughs> Jack of all trades, whatever. The the point, the point that I was trying to make is that like you almost don't Jack want- of all trades, master of none. Yeah. You don't want to be like the most like you don't want to like overwork yourself, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's uh it's a good way to almost show people who might not know you on set too, that like you're a capable person at the very least that like, you know, you're reliable yeah. and that you're trustworthy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So we're kind of coming to the end of our, end of our hour here. But, uh, <gasps> Already. Right. I know. It was flies. so fun. <laughs> it was. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Seriously. Thank you. I like, I just, I think it's very rare to be able to talk about, you know, your, my experience in university. And it's like also very helpful to me to, look back on 
graduation and everything that's happened since. So I'm very appreciative of it. No, we're pretty, we're glad you came on to talk. Like you've had some of the better, like you've had, you have more experience in addition than we do at this point. Like seriously, like it was yeah, awesome like way more. On. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Compliment battle starts now. You guys are the best. <laughs> but I also I also want to say thank you for coming on, CJ, and uh, thank you for again like working with me for like storyboards and stuff. Like I want to keep working, and uh, that that next film or whatever next project you're working on, please come to me. Um, I'm very greedy. Oh my goodness. I want to make stuff with you. It's fun stuff. So, oh, I'd love to. Like, I always feel bad because I'm like, I need to get, and guys, fully like this summer, I'm going to push myself as a director, like get bigger projects so that I can pay my crew. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like <laughs> barely pay them like for the work that they do because fully like the work that you bring is so, so good. And it would be my pleasure and my honor. And if Likewise. your setup needs a driver or anything, I can help out. Or oh if you want a story editor, I'll Yes, that. absolutely. For that horror film, I'll be like, Zach, you want to be scared? <laughs> Read this. <laughs> yes, please. Seriously. <laughs> Is will. there anything you want to plug for our, our uh, small listenership? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, Garden Salad will probably be released next year. And then I have okay. another um, music video coming out the first week of July for a band called New Friends. That was my first music video. And it's like, I honestly feel like it is just in a nutshell who I am as a person because <laughs> I <laughs> love rom-coms and I basically, it, it's an ode to rom-coms. So it's a very fun summer song. So I guess look, awesome. look out for that one. Um, that's really it. Like I, I, I think by end of summer, I'm going to have like six music videos or something. So if you want to watch Sweet. what kind of stuff I'm making, yeah, totally. it'll be out there can- in the world. We can put like uh, your Instagram handle or anything like that in the I'd love that. the episode too, if you'd like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay, it's going to awesome. be like very, like, as I said, going to make my life difficult and challenge myself. So every video I'm doing right now is like different concept, different theme. Like trying to, I guess, find my voice and my style, which is just like, at the end of the day, I like to have fun. Like on my sets, I like to make fun art and good art. Um, and I try not to take life too seriously. So it's a good way to go. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what you're saying is in terms of genre, you want to be like a master of all tools or sorry. A master of all tools. <laughs> sorry. I'm well, glad you brought it back. Like I, we should be the ones bring this back to throw on your face. You can't, you, you can't name the episode that though. That's the one thing I, I refuse that. No, we don't worry. We, I won't. I'm vetoing don't, that. Uh, that good, but, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Okay. Let's, uh, okay. Sit down. Like, <laughs> but, but again, CJ, thank you so much for coming on. We re- we really do appreciate that. Um, of course. Thank you. And we appreciate yeah, seriously. you. I appreciate you guys. Ooh, it's so wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll we'll have you back on the podcast sometime to talk about like when you've uh, like directed your first feature and your and uh, I can't think of something else, but and like more music videos. Yes, hopefully by then I'm like a, a huge dickhead and I'm like, sorry guys, I don't know if my schedule will allow for it. Exactly. Yeah, you're like you're getting in and out of cars and like walking places and talking to us. Like, oh, yeah. I don't walk. People carry me. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I don't do the walking. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Anytime. This was so much fun. It's just like friends talking. So I had so much fun. Awesome. Right Thank you. All right. I Went to Film School is recorded in Toronto, Canada and produced by Zach Gladstone and Anthony Moss. <laughs>